This has been a very interesting week for the topic of gentleness because we've had two very significant speeches happen this week. First is how many of you watched President Obama's farewell address? Did, yeah, so okay, politics aside, that was an inspiring speech. His tone was incredible. Whether you think he was a great president or a lousy one, who cares? His tone was so inspiring. It was hopeful. It was positive. It was uplifting. And, and it, was, it was a great speech. Okay? Now, there was also a second major speech this week. It was President-elect Trump's first press conference since he got elected. Now, in contrast, he was argumentative, dismissive, and generally pretty hostile. And so we got this sharp comparison between two people, one who embodies strength and gentleness really well, and the other who maybe doesn't. That, I don't think gentle is ever a word that has probably been descri used to describe Donald Trump. Okay? But it was an amazing uh, week to watch about gentleness. And because our world, especially with, with having a new president in one more week, our world needs more gentleness. Our world needs more gentleness. I mean, my world needs more gentleness. I think I, I'm generally a pretty gentle person, soft-spoken, easygoing, but you know the truth is, it doesn't take a whole lot of stress or a whole lot of perceived criticism for me to lose my gentleness. And I start getting pretty sharp, and I start getting a little testy and really short with people. So it doesn't take a whole lot for me to... to have this gentle demeanor sort of poof disappear. So I need more gentleness in my life. What about you? Do you need more gentleness in your life? I'm guessing probably you do. I think we all could stand to use a little bit more gentleness. Now, as you hear that word, you probably fall into one of three groups. So one of three groups. First, you are a super gentle person. You already are. You're like the rock stars of gentleness, okay? If that's you, you, you want to come teach this because you, you could school all of us on it, okay? If that's you, that's awesome. So like all one of you, congratulations. Okay, now let's talk to the rest of us. So the second group of, that some of you fall into are you know you're not very gentle, but you want to be. Or at least you keep telling yourself you should be. You, you know you're not very gentle, but you kind of feel you should be more gentle. Now, if, if that describes you, the question you're asking is, how do I do this? Because it feels impossible. Whether it's all it takes is a little bit to set you off, or whether you say it's just not in me, Okay. I want to be more gentle, but I just can't, and it feels impossible. So you're asking the question, how do I do this? Now, there's a third group of you. There's a third group of you. You know what gentleness is. You just don't want to do it. Because maybe when you hear the word gentleness, you think of, I'm going to get taken advantage of. 
or you see gentleness as weakness. Or you say, it's not my personality. I'm strong. I want to be a, a loud, a strong voice. I don't want to be gentle. So some of you in here, when you hear this word, you actually resist. You say, no, I don't want to do that. that that's, the old, that's the old meekness is weakness. So I don't want to be meek or gentle. And chances are, all of you probably fall into one of those categories. See, this third category, you guys aren't asking, how should I do it? What you're asking is, why should I do it? Why would I want to be gentle? I see people who are gentle who just get walked all over, who get taken advantage of. They get the raw end of the deal. Right? And for, for you, if you're in that crowd, I want to read you a quote from Pastor Chuck Swindoll, very popular radio pastor, uh, longtime part of the, the Christian community. So let me, this is his, a quote from him on gentleness. We think of gentleness as weakness, being soft or spineless. Not so. Gentleness includes such enviable qualities as having strength under control, being calm when surrounded by stress, having a soothing effect on angry people, and possessing kindness that protects another's dignity and self-esteem. Instead of losing the gentle gain, instead of being a taken advantage of, they come out ahead. This perception that gentleness is weakness, totally wrong. Gentleness is actually strength. Now that's different than passivity. Now being passive, that can be weakness. It can also be cowardice. It can be fear. But true gentleness is actually very strong because you are choosing to control power instead of just letting it burst out. So where do you fall into those three groups? And I think no matter where you are, with the exception of the rock star, the gentleness rock stars, okay, you're asking this question, how do I do it? Okay, it sounds great. I know I should be more like that, but like, that just doesn't work out in my life. I'm surrounded by too many idiots to be gentle. I got to be tough. Okay? So I think we all ask that question of how do we do this? How do we be more gentle in our life? Well, I'm glad we don't have to answer that question. The Bible actually talks a lot about gentleness. In fact, it's all throughout the Bible. God is described as gentle, particularly and especially when dealing with us when we turn away from him. When we move away from God, God is described as gentle in drawing us back. Jesus embodied gentle. He's probably one of the greatest gentle people in the history of people. He was gentle in his mannerisms. He was gentle in his character, his behavior, all across the board. That is, okay, so not only Jesus was described as gentle. Okay? Gentleness is listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit. This is in the book of Galatians where Paul talks about things that are a byproduct of living a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. Gentleness is one of those that's listed. And then if that wasn't enough, the Apostle Paul, so he wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. 
13 letters. In 12 of those letters, he explicitly commands Christ followers to be gentle. 12 out of 13 letters, he not even implicitly, indirectly, but he explicitly calls Christ followers to be gentle. Now, in the Bible, there are a couple words, there are a couple Greek words in the New Testament and one major word in the Old Testament, Hebrew word in the Old Testament, uh, for this idea of gentle. And they're, they're often translated gentle, sometimes meek. So you'll see both of those words. In Greek and in Hebrew, they're actually all interrelated. And in, sometimes they're even interchangeable, depending on what translation you look at. So if you look for all of the, the, the references, direct references to gentleness or meekness, the Bible is full of them. So where do you start? If you're going to teach on gentleness, where do you start? Well, I thought I would start in probably the most famous passage, the most famous verse on gentleness. The most famous one, even people who have never been to church have heard this one before. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall will inherit the earth. Now this is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this is, this is amazing, this is inspiring, and this is really confusing, okay? Can we just say, what does this mean? Okay, first of all, Jesus doesn't bother explaining what meek or gentle means in this verse. Also, what in the world does it mean inherit the earth? I'm lucky if, like, I inherit a few bucks from a uh, passed away relative, but what does inheriting the whole earth mean? Well, interestingly enough, the quote, the verse that Jesus is probably most famous for on the topic of gentleness, he didn't come up with. This is not original to Jesus. He's actually quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting Psalm 37 to be precise. And so I thought if, if we want to understand what gentleness is, we start with the most famous passage in the Bible about gentleness, and then we look at its source. So we're going to actually look at Psalm 37 because we figure, and here's my thought, if it's good enough for Jesus to base one of his beatitudes, that's what some of these verses are called, on meekness or gentleness, I figure that's probably a pretty good place to start. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Psalm 37 today, but before we get into the text, I want to give you a little bit of background on it so that we understand what we're looking at. So first, Psalms in general are poetry. They're not doctrine. They're not narrative like biography stories. They're meant to be poetry. Think of them as lyrical. They're, they use large language, metaphors. They're meant to touch our hearts. The book of Psalms is meant to touch our heart first and then speak into our brain. So that's the first thing to understand about the book of Psalms. They're poetry. Secondly, this particular psalm falls into a category of what are known as wisdom psalms. Psalms have different categories. This one is known as a wisdom psalm, which means it's actually a whole lot more like the book of Proverbs. If you've ever read anything in Proverbs, it's the collection of little sayings that are kind of wise sayings for life. So this psalm is actually a lot more like the book of Proverbs, a wisdom psalm. And wisdom psalms fundamentally talk about the life choices of those following God, often described as the righteous, 
and then those not following God, often described as the wicked. Air quotes, okay? So the righteous and the wicked. This is language that we see in, in um, wisdom psalms, and we're going to see it here. So those are two things. Now, third, a major theme in this particular psalm is the land that the Israelites will inherit, okay? Now, what does that mean? Back when Abraham, when God chose Abraham, founded the Israelite people and said, you will be my people, I will be your God, and I will give you a land, some of the best land in the Middle East, I will give to you. Uh, it's the, known as the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, if you ever heard those phrases. That's, what, that's a major theme in this psalm. Okay? So keep that in mind. Listen for that. And then fourth, it's really long. It's actually a hundred lines of poetry. Uh, only f- about 40 verses. We're only going to look at the first 11. Right? We're only going to look at the first 11. So let's go and look at that. If you want to read along, you can read along on screen. Grab your phone as well or your Bible. You can read. So this is Psalm 37, 1 through 11. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Now, there's the verse Jesus was quoting, verse 11. There's the verse. Now, you, you might say, wait, but wait, that says inherit the land. Jesus said inherit the earth. Well, a couple things at play here. First is, remember the major theme is the promised land. So that's the language that the Old Testament uses. Second, in Greek, the word for land and earth is actually the same word. And when Jesus quoted this about inheriting the land... What Jesus was doing was expanding it. The inheritance for those who follow Jesus isn't just some land in the Middle East. It is a new earth, a new kingdom. It's heaven. So Jesus was expanding the idea of land to include this new heaven and new earth, this new life with, with God. Um, so, so that's the first thing that happens. Now, Let's, what's interesting about Psalm 37 is if you noticed, a lot of these, a lot of the talk, some of the commands that were in this passage were actually focused on how we relate to God, not people. Because we tend to think of gentleness as how we relate to people. You're gentle toward someone, you're not gentle toward someone. 
But what if gentleness actually didn't begin with how we treat people? What if gentleness actually begins with how we relate to God? And I think that's what this psalm is doing. Because this psalm paints a picture of the meek or the gentle. And there are five things this psalm talks about. Four of the five are how we relate to God. One of them is how we relate to other people. So let's, let's hit these. Let's hit some of these and look at the verses where they come from. First, if you want to know gentleness, you want to know how to be more gentle, first, let's reorient how we relate to God. The first thing this passage talks about is people who are gentle, they trust in God. Take a look, at, listen to verse 3 again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, there's the phrase again, dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. See, gentleness is rooted in a deep confidence, a deep trust that God is for you. That God is for you. He is not against you. It's a belief that God will work for you. It's a belief that God will fight for you. It's a belief that God will protect you. He will care for you when hardships come. That's what trusting in God looks like. That's what trusting in God means. And it's the first step in gentleness because here's the secret. If you don't really believe God is for you, if, you, if you're not entirely sure God's going to work for you or fight for you, you know what? You're going to do it yourself. You're going to be the one to work for you. You're going to be the one to fight for you. You're going to be the, the one to stand up against someone when you feel threatened or when you feel criticized. All of that goes against, it, it destroys gentleness. So that's the first thing. When people who are gentle is they trust in God. Second, the second thing this verse talks about is they delight in God. They delight in God. Listen to this. This is the very next verse, verse 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what does it mean to take delight in the Lord? Okay. Now, it's really easy for me to, like, take delight in a double-double in and out when we go out to California. That's, I, I can take delight in a double-double, okay? It's a little harder to take delight in God for me, okay? So this is something I kind of have to work at. What does it mean to take delight in the Lord? I think first and foremost, it means seeing God as the best, the most admirable, the most beautiful, the best thing in the universe and in your own life. Seeing God as the best, the most admirable in the whole universe and in your own little life. Okay? It's where you look to Him for joy. For, for, for fulfillment, for peace, instead of looking to something else, like an in and out double-double, for joy, fulfillment, or peace. That's what it means to take delight in the Lord. So you want to be patient? Take delight in the Lord. Because you know what? We are delight-taking machines. And if we're not taking delight in the Lord, we're going to find something else to take delight in. And it's always a shallow delight. It's one that never fills us. It never brings that true hope and that true healing that God promises. Okay? So third, 
The third thing this passage talks about is those with, with gentleness. They commit their way to the Lord. Take a look at, again, the next verse, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. Commit your way to the Lord. What does this mean? This means you take all of your stuff, all of your dreams, all of your plans, all of your aspirations, all of your problems, all of your relationships, all of your complaints, all of your praises. Take all of your stuff and direct it toward God, filtering it toward God. And it's giving it to God daily, if not hourly, to keep us grounded to keep us committing our ways to God. A surefire sign that you are committing your ways to God is when you say something like, I want my way to be your way, God. I want my way to be your way. So that's a third characteristic this, that Psalm 37 talks about. Let's look at a fourth one, okay? Fourth characteristic of people who are gentle or meek gentleness, is that they are quiet before God and they wait for him. They're quiet before God and they wait for him. Okay? Listen to verse 6. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So let me ask you, can you sit and wait for God or do you tend to rush into things? Do you get a little impatient? You start tapping your feet, twiddling your thumbs. You're like, okay, come on, God. I kind of want this. Let's get going. I got, I got people to meet, places to go. Or do you rush ahead? Or can you sit and wait? That's one of the key characteristics of gentleness is can you wait on God? Okay, fifth. Fifth. Now, those, those are the, the four that relate to God. Now, here's one that, that how we relate to other people. One, and this one's pretty self-evident. People who are gentle don't get riled up. They don't get riled up. Did you notice as I was reading, as you were reading, how many times it said, don't fret? It said it three times in those 11 verses. Do not fret. Do not fret. Do not fret. Okay, that's great. Uh, what's fret? Okay, so now in English, fret means to worry. It means to be anxious. But in Hebrew, it, it actually doesn't mean that. It means something a little different. It's a word that kind of means to stoke a fire. You know what fret is in Hebrew? It's the precursor to anger. You know, you stoke a fire, and if you do it well, then it goes whoosh. That's what fretting is. Fretting is starting to get riled up. And, and, and if you're aware of yourself and your emotions, like, you know when you can begin to feel yourself? You're not quite angry yet, but you could, you could tell, like, the RPM gauge is going, the temperature is getting higher. You're like, oh, I am so going there, okay? And it just gets harder. And, and then you hit anger, and then you explode, or you yell, or you throw something, or slam a door, so fret is the precursor to anger. So God's giving you a little boundary here. He's saying, don't fret, because it only leads to evil. That's actually one of the verses in here. Don't fret because it only leads to evil. You know what that evil is? That's anger. Okay? And particularly this passage talks about don't fret over evil people when they succeed at stuff. 
Uh, don't fret over your enemies. I think that can be expounded a little bit. Because I don't know about you, but I don't encounter my enemies on a daily basis. It's because I've crushed them all. Okay? No, but, <laughs> um, but, but what, you know what I do ca- encounter on a daily basis? An obstacle, a perceived criticism, a problem, an annoying driver. These are all things we encounter on a daily basis. So I believe I, I, I'm going to extend this, this command to do not fret. And what it's saying is, don't get riled up. You cannot be gentle if you get riled up. Remember at the beginning when I talked about gentleness is strength? Think about this for a sec. Who is stronger, the person who lets it all out or the person who manages it all and keeps some of it in? Again, I said earlier, this perception that meekness is weakness If you believe meek is weak, try being meek for a week. Try it. I didn't even last a day. (laughs) And and I'm a pretty soft-spoken, gentle person to begin with, okay? It is hard. Man, it is hard. Try being meek for a week, man, and you'll develop a very good appreciation for gentle people. And you realize they're actually the strong ones. The rest of us were wimps. But the gentle people, those are some of the strongest I know. Because the difference is, when you're gentle, you don't have to respond. You ever had that feeling, I have to say something? So you blurt out, and then you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I didn't say that, okay? That's weakness. We're wimpy when we do that. The strong person can say, you know what, I don't have to fight back. So fundamentally, they don't let themselves get riled up. They don't fret. They don't let their fire get stoked by the stuff and the people around them. So let's sum all of this up. How would we sum all of this up? And here it is. A God-centered life creates peace-centered gentleness. A God-centered life creates peace-centered centered gentleness because gentleness is not about weakness gentleness is about peace and when you are not at peace that's when you want to lash back that's when you want to defend your integrity that's when you want to argue because fundamentally you're not at peace and that's why in this psalm god promises peace in the land God promises peace in your life because you can't pull off gentleness without peace. So a God-centered life creates peace-centered gentleness. So how do you have a more God-centered life so you can have more peace-centered patience? Well, I have this idea, and I've got some cards that we're going to pass out here. And so I've got these little prayer cards that we're going to pass out. And some of the guys are going to be down the aisle in a sec to help pass these guys out. And I've put together five little prayers, depending on which one of these five things we talked about today, you really want to grow in. And so these are five prayers for becoming more gentle. 
And so my encouragement to you is, and, and I'll read through it, I'll show you. My encouragement to you is pick one of these, or heck, maybe you're batting five for five, and you just want to pray all five of these all week. If not, pick one that really resonates with you. So what is, what is it for you? Maybe it's to trust God more. And you can pray, God, God, help me believe you are good so I can depend on you and not myself. And that's going to be a prayer you say every day. Maybe you say it when you wake up. Maybe you say it when you go to sleep. Maybe on your lunch hour. Maybe as you're driving, just don't look at the car. Look at the road, okay? But that's a prayer. Maybe, maybe you, you want to delight in God more. Maybe you're like, I don't know how to delight in God. You can pray. God, you are wonderful, and I take joy in you. God, you are wonderful, and I take joy in you. And you can pray. I don't know if you've ever prayed repetition, but th that's been a form of Christian prayer, a Christian meditation for centuries. Okay? Eastern mysticism didn't, have, didn't, have, didn't own repetition prayer, meditative prayer. Christians have been doing that as long as well. So you can pray these things and repeat them. God, you are wonderful. God, you are wonderful. God, you are wonderful. Repeat that over and over again. I take joy in you. Maybe it's the next one. Maybe it's you're, you, you want to commit your way to God. You're like, okay, God, I totally run my own life. I am president and CEO of Me Incorporated. Okay? It's time I, I step down. And I make you president and CEO of Me Incorporated. So maybe your prayer is, God, my life is in your hands. Let your ways be my ways. Or maybe you want to be quiet and still. Maybe, maybe you're a really anxious person, or you're always going, going, going. You've got a prayer on that page for you. You can pray, God, quiet my heart and slow me down so I can wait on you. Or lastly, maybe you get riled up. Maybe you fret. Maybe you've got a doctorate in fretting. Your prayer, God, help me be calm when things go wrong or others mistreat me. So you've got five prayers you can pray here. And my challenge is I absolutely believe these prayers will bring more gentleness to your life. Not because it's good psychology, not because it's repetition and, and mind control, it's because God promises it. This is his formula. This is his way to, to develop more gentleness. Okay? So if you haven't yet, look across this card and pick one, at least one of these prayers. Maybe you want to hit all five of them, but at least pick one of these. Say, I'm going to pray this each day. Okay? And just watch. Because I think you're going to be a little bit more gentle this week. Because this part centers you on God. And the result is peace-centered uh, gentleness.